0: Man, you know the, the the sad thing is, is that that most people have one of three pictures of Jesus. They have a picture of a baby in a manger. They have a picture of the well, y'all all you've all seen it in, in most churches. You know the the, the golden haired boy with uh, the little glow, and you know he looks a lot like us. Okay, except a lot better looking, or the picture of Jesus on the cross. Let me let me just I want to read just a short passage of scripture, we'll pray and we'll we'll start. But but here's the picture, the next picture we'll see of Jesus. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. In other words, there was a human body. He he looked human in a sense, and Jesus will be. He is human, but he's also God. And he was wearing a long robe with a golden sash across his chest, and his head and his hair were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword come from, came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun at its brilliance. Folks, that's the Jesus that's going to come back for us, okay? That's the Jesus. He was a baby, okay? He never did look like the guy in the Sunday school pictures, and he hung on the cross. But you know what? When he comes back, he is coming back as king, He's coming back as king. Let's pray. Father, we, Lord, we long for you to return. We long for you to return. Help us to live, Lord, with an expectancy and an anticipation. And Father, help us to be about your business so that others will be a part of of that great body in heaven, Lord. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Now this morning, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts. And you'd open up our spirits, Lord. In fact, I just, I just speak to every human spirit in this room, and I say, listen to what the Spirit's saying this morning. Lord, we ask you to, to give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit says this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for the past three weeks, we have been on a path that's, that's headed for a destination. Have any of you ever been on a path and you just didn't know where you were going? You were just wandering around. We're not wandering around, okay? We're headed for a specific place. And, and this morning, uh, we're going to begin to arrive there. We're going to reach a, 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 def, a destination in a sense where all of us, all of us know biblically how to begin to forgive. Okay, it's a big deal. Jesus says that you know what? If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. We'll look at that passage a little bit this morning. So it's very important in the in the 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 model prayer uh, that Jesus taught his disciples near the end of it. It says, "And forgive us, Father, as we have forgiven those who trespass against us." In other words, God assumes that we'll all forgive. Just like he's forgiven us. And so, forgiveness is a big deal. It's it's something that God expects, but he doesn't just expect it, he demands it. Okay? I want you to hear me. Unforgiveness is disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Now, whatever was perpetrated, whatever offense took place in your life that hurt you, that's not your sin. Okay? Okay? So, so don't hear me saying that. Whatever hurt you is not your sin. But when you don't choose to forgive, when you don't obey God and let Him work out that situation in your life, the unforgiveness becomes a sin. And we're going to talk about this morning how to deal with that. Uh, unforgiveness is, is a lot like cancer. Cancer. Okay, for those of you that, that have experienced that, I doubt seriously there's a person in this room this morning that hasn't had a family member. So most of us understand cancer just slowly eats. It, it just slowly eats at us. And, and it's, it's, it's like we lock ourselves in a prison cell that we build, and that poison that comes from that unforgiveness, destroys us, folks, from the inside out. It comes forward. There's an illustration God gave me years and years ago, and I've used it. If you've been to see me and talk with me in a counseling situation, you've probably heard this one. But I, I kind of I understand pictures really well. I, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner most of the time. And just imagine, if you got up one morning, You got ready to go to work, take the kids to school, whatever it is you have to do, and you walked out of your carport, and there in front of your carport on your driveway was a 50-gallon, that's that's one of those big containers, oil drums, everybody know what I'm talking about, metal, not the plastic ones, but a metal one. Just imagine there was a 50-gallon drum sitting on your your driveway, and on the side of it, it had a skull and crossbones which means there's poison in it. Just imagine somebody had put 50 gallons of poison in a drum on your driveway. What would you do? Well, you've got two options. You can call the authorities and let them dispose of it. Or, like most of us, we really don't want to admit this, we'd look around till we found our hand trucks, and we'd move it out of the way. And unforgiveness is like having a, a drum of poison on your driveway. And what happens is we get those hand trucks, and we look around. we got the little shed. You know, all of us got the little shed. Amen. That's where you, you, you store your stuff, okay, or you pile your stuff. Maybe a little shed, maybe a barn. Uh, might be a nice building in your backyard. But you, you wheel that poison out to the, to the barn. You put it in a corner. And you, you set it down, and then you put some signs around it, do not touch, do not disturb, don't go near, and you leave it there. And, folks, that's what happens when, when somebody hurts us or offends us, and we stuff it down. It's like we put it in a little shed or a little barn, a little outbuilding on the backside of a property. Now, if you leave that metal drum there long enough, what happens is the moisture in the ground, begins to, to react with that metal drum. And over time, what happens is that poison starts to leach out. And the first thing it does is it kills everything in the barn. But it does, it's not contained in the barn. It, it spreads out into the yard. And it starts to kill everything in the yard. And if you leave it in your barn long enough, it will eventually kill everything around your house. And guess what? Sooner or later, it will kill you. And, folks, that's what unforgiveness does. It's, it's never contained in that little place behind that shut door. It's continually oozing out from under the door, and it affects everything in our life. It affects us emotionally. It affects us uh, uh, mentally. It affects us physically. It affects relationships. It affects how we raise our children. It affects how we see the world. And so, unforgiveness is like poison or infection. You remember when we started this, we talked about uh, staph infection. It's an infection in our body. It has to be dealt with. It can't be ignored. And if you and I want to be spiritually and physically and emotionally healthy... We have to learn to forgive. We have to to forgive if we expect literally our own sins to be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but if if God said to me, Nelson, I'm not going to be able to forgive you of any more sins, I get a little panicked, okay? Because I tend to sin every once in a while. How about you? Well, listen, listen to what Matthew chapter six, verse fourteen and fifteen says. It says, for if you forgive men for their trespasses or their transgressions, how they've hurt you, their wounds, whatever you want to insert in there, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, now here's the contrast. If you do this, I will do this. But, there's condition. If you do not forgive men... Or women, let's just, let's don't, here's the thing, we're going to take out every little bit of wiggle room, okay? You ladies, when it says men, it means human beings, okay? Most of the time. If you don't forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Folks, when we refuse to forgive, we insert ourselves in God's place, and we become The judge and the jury and the executioner. In other words, we want to get even. We want uh, want that person to hurt like we've hurt. Now, let me ask you a question Do any of us have the right to take God's position? No. Do any of us really have the ability? No. We don't have the authority. Let me ask you this question. Do you truly believe that God is a God of justice? Don't answer yet. Okay, just think about it. Does, does, is God a just God? Well, folks, if He is, if He really is, then we ought to be able to forgive people because God will do... What's right? I love when when God comes to visit Abraham and he's he's chosen in in Genesis chapter eighteen to to share with Abraham what he's about to do. Uh, how he's about to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah in that area for their wickedness. And 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 Abraham begins to 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 uh, to intercede is really what he's doing. He's interceding for the for the people. And though they're wicked, he's interceding. And you know the story. God, if there's 50, will you will you, joy, will you destroy the righteous with the, with the unrighteous? God, if there's this many, if there's many. And finally, Abraham says this. He says, far be it from you, O God, to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Listen to me. Do you believe God will do right. He's the judge. Folks, he can't be bought. He is a God of justice. We, we know him as a God of mercy. Amen? A, a God who's holy. But as as holy and as merciful as, as he is, he is just as just. He is a God of justice. And so, listen to me. When people do bad things, there's a price to be paid. Okay? Make no mistake about it. Whatever seed we sow, we reap a crop from it. We can be forgiven, but very often there's a crop to reap from it. And so, in other words, God doesn't treat the wicked and the righteous the same way. Okay? Wickedness brings justice. Justice is a part of God's character. He will do what's right. He will bring justice to bear. But, folks, listen, we're not the judge, He's the judge. We're not the jury. We don't get a vote in it. And we're certainly not the executioners. So we have to learn to forgive. True forgiveness, and you've heard me say this several times, is an act of the will. It's a choice that we make. Will I allow God to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner, or am I going to do that? Am I going to put myself in the place of God? Folks, unforgiveness gives us no power. When you choose not to forgive, you don't hold any power over that other person. You really don't. But forgiveness gives you power. It gives you power. Forgiveness allows you to step back and allow God to be God. It's an act of the will, but it's an act where I choose or where you choose to accept the hurt that's been inflicted on us. Where we choose to to accept that wound and, and or, or, or or that disappointment and not require that other person to pay us back. So we use the term let them off the hook. It's not you don't really let them off the hook. There's still a hook. But that's God's business, okay? That's God's business. It's a choice that we have to make freely. Nobody can force you to forgive. God will not even force you to forgive. It's a part. It has to be freely given. It's a process as well. And I want to, this morning, I want to begin talking about that process. It's a process. There are some steps. For those of you that like steps, okay? And I know there are a bunch of you here. If I do this, and I do this, and I do this, then this will happen. Forgiveness is a process, it does have some steps, okay. And this morning we're gonna we're gonna learn what the first step is. The, it may not be the mo- it, I think it's the m- most important step for us. It allows God then to work, but it's a partnership with God in a process. You know what the reality is that you and I cannot forgive somebody biblically without the Holy Spirit helping us do it. It just can't be done. But if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to partner with us, and we'll partner with Him, forgiveness can come. And we can do what we're supposed to do. It's a process. Now, today I want to give you the first step in the process. And you may want to write some of this stuff down, okay? And then I want to show you, at the end, I want to show you five or six, seven things that forgiveness is not. And we've taught in the church that it is, but it's not, okay? Which will make that first step a little easier to take. Forgiveness, like I said, begins with, a, with an act of the will. It's a, it's a choice that I make. And when I make that choice, I make the choice to pardon that person or to remit what they've done or to overlook the mistake or the fault or the offense or the hurt or the injury. Without demanding a penalty or a punishment or retribution from that person, you know I got to be willing to turn that potion over to God. And let's just be honest—that's tough sometimes, isn't it? I mean, it really is. If we think, well, you know what? They hurt me. They didn't hurt God. Well, you know what? If they hurt you, they hurt God. That's the reality. We're God's kids. I mean, I'm just going to be straight-up honest with you. If somebody messes with my granddaughter, it's not going to be good, okay? I've just... I I, I love her that much. If somebody messes with my daughter, it's just not going to be good. Because you mess with my daughter, you've messed with me. How much more so is God? That's how much He loves us. Folks, we have to get rid of the the desire to get even to get an eye for an eye is is an eye for an eye a biblical teaching in the old testament for a while there it was if 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 somebody knocked your eye out you had you know they had to pay with their eye they cut your hand off they paid with their hand you know we don't live in that day we live in a day of grace there's a lot of people that want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and here's the deal, folks. You can hold unforgiveness in your heart against somebody. And most people that hurt people either don't know it. Have you ever hurt somebody and you didn't realize it? I think all of us have probably done that. Well, if that person doesn't realize it, what good does it, it do you to hold a grudge against them? Then there's another group and that group is they basically don't care. So if if they don't care what good does it do to hold a grudge against them? You know, when something's painful like a like we've been hurt in our in our spirit or in our soul and we've been hurt more than once, what do we tend to want to do when it comes time to forgive? We tend to want to bundle it all together in one little package and say God, please Help me. One lesson you need to forgive. Well, God, I forgive Joe for all those things he did to me. Is that sufficient? How many of y'all prayed that prayer before? You can put somebody else's name besides Joe, but God, just forgive them for what they did. That don't work, okay? It just does not work. Every offense happened at a time and it created an issue, and it created a hurt. And so when we forgive, we have to forgive those issues one at a time. Okay? We we don't bundle them together. Because what happens is if we bundle them together, the devil uses it. And he comes back, and he points his finger at us and says, Hey, you know what? You didn't forgive. And it, it, it'll use it like it's an arrow stuck in our heart. And really, what an offense is, or a hurt, or a wound, is an arrow stuck in our heart. Now, whenever something is sh- shot with an arrow, it's, there's a point on it that goes into your your flesh. But there's a there's an extension out here about this long that's just out there. Well, you know what? Just imagine you had a couple of arrows stuck in your heart right now. Would it hurt? I imagine it would. Well, just imagine that you didn't get anything done. You decide you'd spend a, a, a little while with them sticking out. Well, every time you bump into something, what would happen? It will hurt a little bit more. It's like a giant splinter. Now, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You get a splinter in your hand and, and, you, and, you, and you rub across it and it hurts. Well, an arrow in your heart would hurt a lot more. But what the devil does is he swings on them. Okay? He jerks them and he twists them. And every time you get by yourself, he just he's just doing this, and I, and it's just like it happened right then, folks. Time does not heal all wounds. Okay, it's what you do with the time that brings the healing. Okay, time doesn't heal anything. You can have a wound in your heart that happened fifty years ago, and it be just as raw as the day. It happened if you haven't forgiven, and so what happens is that that error gets there and and we want we want to deal with them wholesale rather than individually but folks we we can't bundle them up we've got to deal with them, and when something's painful it's got to be dealt with it's got to be removed it's got every incident has to be confronted, and I think it has to be verbalized and i'm gonna, i'm gonna share with you how to do this okay. But it needs to be confronted, it needs to be verbalized, and it needs, forgiveness needs to be extended. It needs to be specific, okay? As specific as you can make it. Forgiveness, when forgiveness takes place, it allows me to take those arrows out of my heart. Okay? And that's what really happens. When you forgive someone, you take the arrow out of your heart, not God. And it gives you Power over those arrows, over those wounds. And once I remove that that arrow and I confess it and verbalize it out loud and give forgiveness, then God takes the arrows out of my hand and he begins the healing process in my soul and in my heart. But, folks, as long as that arrow is sticking out, healing doesn't come, no matter how much I pray, okay? Okay? No matter how many hours I spend on my knees, no longer. No matter how much I fast, no matter how much I do, whatever, until I forgive, until I remove that arrow, healing never comes. Now, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to show you a very simple way that I believe, uh, that I encourage people to do. That, especially if you've got more than one, okay, if you hadn't forgiven in a while. But the first thing you ought to do is get you a pad like this, okay? Now, I've got a legal pad. It's got more lines on the page, okay, which gives you more places to write names. But the first thing you do is you name that person. Now, I realize that there, some of us have been hurt by people we don't know their names, okay? I understand that. If you don't know the person's name, just write down enough about that person, what you remember so that you're specific, okay? But you may, you know, Joe may have called you a name. Well, you write Joe's name down. Number one, Joe. Put his name down. I've got Joe's picture in my mind. In fact, I've had Joe's picture in my mind ever since he called me that name six months ago, six years ago, 60 years ago, okay? And when I get all by myself, I can see Joe, and I can hear his words. And so what happens is you write down the name, and then you write down with enough description. You, you can go into as much detail as you want to, all right? It's up to you. There, there's no place in the Bible that says that you have to write it down. Nobody, there's not a place in the Bible says you have to write this down, okay? I'm just giving you a simple way to do this. So you, you write down the, 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 the offense, what they did. Now, I would encourage you, if you're going to do that, To get by yourself, okay? You probably don't want to do this driving down the road. This is a lot like texting and driving, okay? Get by yourself. Say, God, I'm ready to deal with the garbage in my life. And then ask the Holy Spirit. Show me every person I have not forgiven. And then listen. And when he begins to speak, write it down. Number them. The first one he gives you, number one, Joe. Joe, call me a name. Write the name down. Number two, same thing. Number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight, number nine, number 56, number 10,029. As long as the Holy Spirit speaks, keep writing. And then when the Holy Spirit gets quiet, wipe your forehead off and ask this question, is there any more, God? And he can be quiet again. And if he starts to speak again, just keep numbering them, keep writing. Now, once he gets silent, and you ask him, and he doesn't say anything else, then you can assume that there's probably not anymore, okay? What happens is if we tend not to forgive people for hurting us, we get a long line of them, and what happens is we forget some of them. They're still there, but we just forget them. So he's stopped speaking. He's given you a bunch of names. You know what? This may take a few minutes. This may take a few hours. This may take a few days. This may take several months, okay? But as long as your heart is open to God, God, you speak, I'll write them down. God will keep speaking, and he will do it on his time as you can handle it, all right? God's not going to back All of you have heard dump trucks back up. It's not going to sound like ding, 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 and then it dumps on you. Everything, the whole world case. That's not how God works, God's just going to—he'll begin to work, and He'll begin to give you those things, and and the reality is the amount of time that it takes depends on the stuff you've got stuffed down in that little room at the end of the hall. Allow the Holy Spirit to clean it out. Invite Him to come in. How many of you do spring cleaning? Well, not many. (laughs) The rest of you are like me. You're hoarders, okay? We just stack it up and pile it up and move it from place to place, okay? Amen? (laughs) Amen. I've got a story to tell, but I'm not going to tell it, okay? It just won't be good. That's the way we do things is we just stack them up and move them from place to place. Folks, there comes a place where you have to clean out every once in a while. And that's what we're doing. In a sense, we're doing some spiritual spring cleaning. We're cleaning out. Now, once I've got them down, now, you may only have one. Or you may have a notebook full, okay? Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you have one or a notebook full. Unforgiveness still kills, all right? So if you've got a notebook full, don't be embarrassed, If you've only got one, don't feel real good about yourself. It's still unforgiveness. You've got them all written down. What do I do next? Well, you ask the Holy Spirit, where do I start? See, most of us are so afraid. He's going to take us to the one that hurts the most. And we just refuse to deal with any of them. And folks, that's not usually how God acts. Now, if you've only got one... That's probably where he's going to start, okay? But if you've got a list of things, probably what God will do is he will go to one, and he'll say, I want you to go to number 22. And you look at number 22. Well, what is 22, God? Billy called me stupid when I was 7 years old. Well, God, I'm 57 years old. I know I'm not stupid. What? I mean, Billy is just a kid like I am. And you wonder, why in the world didn't I do that years ago? And so you deal with it. And then God takes you to another one. And you begin to realize God is taking, they're getting larger as we move. And what's happening is God's building faith in your life to trust him. And you get to a place, after a few of them, where you say, you know what? God, I can deal with anything that you set before me because I know you're here with me. and I know you're not going to hurt me. And ultimately, God takes you to number 15, and it's the one that rocks your world. And you freeze up. You don't know what to do. You just ask God to help you. See, God is not in a hurry. God's not got a list to get through today. God wants to do everything he does thoroughly and completely. And so what he does is... He works slowly and he, he takes the faith that you have and He uses it, He builds faith in you and He understands the pain that you've, you've endured. He understands the emotional baggage that's there. And very often, as, as you're forgiving, He brings healing there. And sometimes it means that I, that I have to sit down with somebody to help me see what I can't see by myself. But God's working a process and he, He's not in a hurry because he knows what you can stand. He knows what you can't stand. And listen to me, God has no desire to embarrass you or to expose you or to hurt you. As long as your heart is open to him and, and you say, yes, Lord, God will deal with it. So he says, go to number 15, and we start at number 15. Well, that's when you have to make the choice. You've you've asked him to give you a list of them. You've numbered them. Now he's ready to go. Okay, how do I do it? How what do I do? Well, it's a choice, and and we're going to put this, I think, up on the screen, and you can write this down. This is a very simple way, but you just you, basically what you do is God, you're, you're looking at your pad. I'm, I'm going to look at number one. That's the only one I've got written down. God, I choose to forgive Joe. I'm specific. About naming the person. God, I choose. It's an act of my will. I choose to forgive Joe for calling me stupid. In Jesus' name. I release Joe. I forgive Joe. Now, you've, you've offered forgiveness. The last thing is, please forgive me for the sin of unforgiveness. Now, you've done exactly what Jesus said to. Once you've done it, you mark through it. If this is a long process and you've got more than three or four, put a date on there. Today's the 3rd of March, 2013. Okay? Where do I go next, God? Why not you go to number 15? I do the same thing. God, I choose to forgive whomever, for whatever. God, I forgive them and I release them in Jesus' name. Please forgive me for holding unforgiveness against them. I mark through it. I date it. Now, you're going to start to hear somebody scream in your ears. I can just tell you this already. I know this. He'll scream so loud that you won't be able to think. Uh, You'll get scared. Your palms will get sweaty. You're liable to break out on your forehead. You'll start perspiring. I mean, you feel like you're going to die. Listen to me. It's the devil. And you know why he's screaming? Because every time you say this and every time you make a choice to do this with your heart and verbalize it with your mouth, he loses one more hold on you. And he hates giving up ground. And so he's going to try to confuse you. He's going to try to create fear there. Folks, don't listen to him. Turn him off. Tune him out. What's happening, and one of the reasons he's screaming is so loud is because there's eviction going on. God's dragging him slowly out of your house. And he'll drag him completely out if you'll take every one of those arrows out of your heart. Now, I mentioned this a while ago. If you find one that you just get stuck on, God, you you don't understand. You don't know what happened here. You don't know how bad it hurt. Don't get in a hurry. Just camp out there, okay? Don't skip to another one. Just stop and camp out there. And ask God to give you strength. Invite Jesus to, to step into that memory. Ask him, God, where were you when this happened? What were you doing? And then listen. Because he'll show you. He'll show you. Then ask him for grace. Don't get in a hurry, okay? Because he'll bring healing in the process. And then when you get to that place, God, I choose to forgive so-and-so for this. I forgive them. I release them in Jesus' name. God, Please forgive me for holding that sin of unforgiveness. What you will feel is you'll, you'll feel literally, I don't mean just spiritually, I mean literally, you'll feel a, a ton of bricks lifted off of you. You'll, you'll begin, if you've got a long list, if you're a person that struggles to forgive, as God lifts these things off of you, as you release them and He lifts them off, you will, your countenance will change. Everything about you will change. Now, Let's just say it took you one afternoon. Or it took you six months. But you finally, you can look through here. Every one of them's got a line through them. Everyone's got a date on them. The devil will come, okay? And he will say, you know what, you didn't forgive so-and-so. Well, you know what, you look down, yeah, I did, look right here. March the 3rd. 2013, I forgave so-and-so. In Jesus' name, get behind me. Now, you may have to do that over and over. See, he's not convinced you believe that. He knows it's true. And so when you convince him that you know it's true, you won't hear it anymore. And when they're all done, and every page is, is forgiven, you tear them out, and you wad them up, you run them through your shredder, you take them out in the yard, and you light a match to them. You do with whatever you want. They don't belong to anybody else. You and God have done business, and they're dealt with. You put them behind you. Folks, you make the choice and act on it, then God is now free to heal those wounds in your heart. He's free. And he begins to work. Folks, that's the first step in the process. But if you don't take the first step, nothing else happens. You have to take the first step. You have to choose to let it go. You have to choose to forgive, to release that person. Once we do that, then God takes the next step. I'm going to share that next Sunday. Okay? Now, you know what to do. All right? We still got it up here. You may want to write this one down. All right? Okay, Nelson, but what does that really mean? I've been taught all kinds of things. Well, for just five or six, seven minutes, let's just see what forgiveness isn't. Okay? Forgiveness does not mean to forget. How many of you have ever heard and been told you ought to forgive and forget? You know who came up with that? The devil. It's impossible to forget something that's been done to you. Okay? The Bible never calls on us to forgive and forget. It calls on us to forgive. It never calls on us to act like it didn't ever happen. Folks, it happened. It hurt. It affected you. When a person has been abused or raped or ruined or, or called names or cheated, uh, it's impossible to forget it. And to tell somebody you ought to be able to forgive and forget is like telling them, you know what? What happened to you really didn't matter. It really didn't hurt. Folks, that's a lie. Okay? God, listen to me, does not forget the sins we have committed against Him. Okay? That's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that He forgives us and He places those sins behind Him and He chooses no longer to remember them against us. To to choose not to remember is not to forget. All right? To forget means to wipe your mind clear. God can't map His mind clear. He knows everything. For Him, there is no such thing as past, present, and future. It's all one. What God does is He chooses to put it, place it behind Him. He never looks back at it again. He never, when He sees you, He doesn't see what you did. He doesn't. Rem- he he chooses no longer to remember it against us. Listen to what Micah seven, verse nineteen says. It says, he will have, again, have compassion on us. And he will tread our iniquities under his foot. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I want to ask you a question. If you were, God forbid, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you were on a cruise in the Caribbean, okay, and you dropped your wristwatch over the side, what would you do? For all practical purposes, let's just be honest. It's gone. Okay? You just see it doing this down out of sight. I've stood on the river and, or at the lake and seen this before. You know, that's what God does with our sins. And they sink away out of sight, they're gone. But you know what we want to do? When we refuse to forgive, we want to reach down in there and get them back out. God never does that. He casts them into the depths of the sea. It's a picture. It's a metaphor, okay? Isaiah forty three twenty five says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Because God chooses to put them behind him and he chooses no longer to remember them against us. And we are not commanded to forgive and forget. We are commanded to forgive. We're commanded to do what God has done. We forgive, and we choose no longer to to drag them up. Y'all ever have pity parties? We love to send out invitations too. I mean, when you're having a pity party, what do you start? What do you usually do? Reach down in that muck and that gunk yeah they did this and they did this and if you're still doing that you haven't forgiven that person it's when you refuse to go there god i i've i've left that behind me okay that's one thing here's another one and maybe this will help some of you too forgiveness does not always require you to go to the person who hurt you and forgive them in person Now, if the Holy Spirit says, Nelson, you go to Joe, and you tell him you forgive him, then I'll go. If the Holy Spirit doesn't say that, God and I will deal with it. Okay? Listen, you heard me say this several times. People that don't know they've hurt you, and people who don't care they've hurt you, people that don't care, it does little good to go to them. Amen? And people who don't know it it usually stirs up more. Amen? Creates a bigger problem. Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you to go to either, you go. But very often, He just wants you to let go of the offense. He wants you to let go of the one. You see, this is not about freeing them. This is about freeing you and freeing me. Folks, unless the Holy Spirit tells you to go to them, It's all right. It's okay. Some people that have hurt you are no longer living. You can't go to them. Some people that have hurt you no longer because of dementia or Alzheimer's or something else have the ability to understand what you're talking about. You can't go to them. This is, forgiveness is, is about letting it go. Okay? So if the Holy Spirit doesn't say, Go and forgive that let offer forgiveness to that person in person then don't go don't worry about it it doesn't mean number 3 that what was done to you really doesn't matter or that it was really not as bad as what you think it was after all folks here's the deal if it hurt you it was wrong and it hurt you know what god never winks at an offense god never Winks at the pain or the hurt. God, you'll never hear God say this. Suck it up. Get over it. Come on. It didn't hurt that bad. I mean, when I was a kid and we'd fall, you know what my daddy would say? Oh, son, I've had worse cuts on my eyeball. Blow it off. Rub a little dirt on it. Come on. God never says that, okay? He never says that. Ever. He never tells you to toughen up. Folks, we're not called to ignore the pain. We're just called to forgive the offender so that God can heal the pain. Here's another one. It does not mean, listen to me, it does not mean that the person who perpetrated the offense, who hurt you, gets off scot-free. You remember I talked a little bit about at the beginning, God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. Sin has inherent consequences. Okay? It costs somebody. And at some point, that person will pay for what they've done. All right? In some way, in some form. All of us understand that. How many of you have ever done anything stupid? Okay, you know, and you knew it was stupid when you were doing it. And in the midst of it, you thought, why in the world am I doing this stupid thing? And you said, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't done it. And you know what? You're still, ever run the stop sign? And the policeman's sitting right here. There's a consequence. You can be sorry. I've apologized as hard as I could. And, and he said, I know you're sorry, sir, but you're still going to have to pay the fine. Okay, there's a consequence to sin. Our responsibility is to forgive and to release the offender from our sense of justice. But folks, we have laws that protect us. And they're in place to deal with people that that break the law. And those laws have consequences. If you kill somebody, if you rape somebody, if you abuse somebody, if you steal, if you exhort, if you rob, if you malign someone, or you do something that the law says is illegal, the law has the right to punish you, okay? I may forgive that person for what they did, but you know what? They pay their debt at some point. And if the law doesn't catch them, rest assured, God sees it. And here's what Scripture says. No, Make no mistake about it. Whatever you sow, you will reap. See, we don't realize what the other person is going through. We don't realize all the stuff that's going on in their life. We don't understand the, the justice that God's giving them. And so our job is to forgive. It's to release them. But folks... There's a law that says they have to be punished. There is a spiritual law of... Rep- I'm never going to be able to say this. reciprocity. That's not right, but y'all know what I'm saying. Reciprocity. That's the Reciprocity. You reap what you, you, you sow. The seeds you sow, you reap. Now, another one. God... All right, excuse me. Forgiveness does not mean that you can't Confront the offender. You can go to that person. There are some people that need confronting. There are some people that are tornadoes of destruction. Everywhere they go, there's a path of bodies thrown by them. You know what? You can confront that person. It's okay. They need to have some things pointed out. The key to confrontation is that you do it in love, not in vengeance. If you're going to confront in vengeance, you don't need to go. You just add another sin to your your list, okay? But if you can do it in love because of this, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, because you want to see God restore them and heal them and forgive them. Okay? Confront them. It's okay. Confrontation often causes offenders to recognize or become aware of what they've done. And sometimes, you know what happens? They repent And reconciliation takes place. A friendship is put back together. A marriage is put back together. Now, having said that, forgiveness does not mean you are required to be reconciled to that person who has hurt you. Okay? There are some people that are toxic, they're poison, they're monsters say, Nelson, that's pretty harsh. Folks, there are some people like that. There are some people on death row they are monsters, okay? There are some people wandering around out here that though they've not killed anybody physically, they've slain their thousands emotionally, all right? It doesn't mean that you have to be reconciled with them. If the Holy Spirit wants you to be reconciled with that person, he will show you and he will teach you how to do it, okay? So if someone abused you, you don't have to be their best friend again. You don't have to have a relationship with them. But you do have to forgive them. Okay? Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness takes one. One. And all we're talking about is forgiveness today, okay? Forgiveness is a choice. One person acts... Reconciliation takes two. The last one. Forgiveness does not mean you get to wait until the person who offended you comes to you and asks you to forgive them. Okay? Because you may be waiting forever. Especially if they don't know they offended you. So we don't, we don't wait until the person offends, who offended us comes to us. No, the Bible says that we're to live in a continual faith almost, a continual uh, atmosphere of forgiveness. When somebody offends me, I forgive. I forgive. I love what Scripture says about Jesus. In Romans it says, when we were yet sinners, when we were yet sinners, when we were still doing things that offended God left and right, Christ died for us. Let's translate that into the language here. When we were still hurting Jesus, Jesus forgave us. Okay? That's what God calls us to do. Nothing more, nothing else. Now, once we forgive, once we we verbalize it with, with our mouth, and, and, and it's it takes place, it comes from our heart. Folks, the door opens up to the prison we've been in. And you know who steps in there? God. And God begins to heal the heart. And Folks, that takes some time. It may take years. But you know what? Forgiveness... It's not just an act and it's over. It's a process. We'll talk about the process a little more next week. We do our part, and we'll learn next week what God will do on his part. Folks, God has the capacity to restore what the devil has stolen through that wounding and through that unforgiveness. Very often that's what he does. He restores it. Here's the deal. Are you willing to start the process and partner with God in forgiveness? Are you willing to take that first step and say, God, I choose to forgive Far, I release them, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, would you forgive me for, for harboring unforgiveness in my heart? See, that's the question. It's not whether God will do what he says he will do. It's whether or not we will do what he tells us to do. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.